Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. My name's Catherine Carr, and this is Season 3 of Relatively, the podcast all about potentially the longest relationships of your life. You were happy to do it. I don't recall you complaining about it. I just wanted someone to play with. (laughs) I'll be bringing siblings together to talk about the connections they have as adults, as well as what it was like growing up together. Yeah, yeah. It was rock and roll, I tell you that. It was rock and roll. It was sadder than the (laughs) in-betweener. This week, we're talking to the political journalist, Lewis Goodall. Hello. Hi. And his sister, Megan. Yeah, it's like he's always in a rush. Constantly in a rush. What can I say? I'm just a nice brother. (laughs) (laughs) But I'll also talk to them separately to get a more private take on the relationship. In the whole of the family, I was the only kid. And I kind of love that. And I really didn't feel that we needed another one. We didn't get on the best, to be honest, throughout probably our teenage years. We're very different people, always have been literally opposite ends of the scale. Brothers and sisters are never straightforward. Oh no, what have you said? What have you said? I said I wasn't going to be a nice. Lewis and Megan grew up in Birmingham in a busy household with both parents working shifts and it's fair to say the chalk and cheese duo took a while to form a close relationship. Lewis went to Oxford for university, leaving Megan to cope with supporting her mum who had some mental health difficulties alone. We talk about that, about collecting stuff, about the crystal maze, about ace granddads being a podgy kid, taking advantage of your sibling and growing to depend on them. But Lewis started by outlining his feelings around Megan's arrival. I've always thought that um, the age gap between Megan and me is the most suboptimal one because I remember very much the world where she wasn't there. And I very much felt, I mean, people might be so astonished to hear this, but I was quite a kind of, I like quite like the attention as a child. My mom had me when she was very young, she was 17. And so I was with, in the whole of the family, I was the only kid. And I kind of love that. And I really didn't feel that we needed another one. I was quite, <laughs> I was quite good. There. I didn't, I didn't see what, what role she would be fulfilling. And then I was even more annoyed when I discovered that she was not a boy because I wanted a brother. If I was going to have a sibling, I decided for whatever reason, the four-year-old me, that I wanted a brother and she wasn't any of those things. So I remember going to see her at the hospital and, and being deeply unimpressed. So when you arrived, he was, I mean, four-year-old boys are something else. And he said he was quite disappointed a that another baby was needed and b that it wasn't a boy baby were you aware of this when you got a little bit older yes apparently he was absolutely heartbroken cried refused to come and see me at the hospital did he yeah yeah he did (laughs) um do you have a nickname for her from childhood or now no it was just get out go away when it when i was a child just go away (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I always just called her Meg, Meg or go away. That was, I was racking my brains to think if I had a nickname for her, but I, I don't think I did. It was just go away. We did argue a lot, especially as we got older. We didn't get on the best, to be honest, throughout probably our teenage years. We're very different people, always have been we're literally opposite ends of the scale mm. completely. 
I just didn't. I just didn't want anything to do with her. I, I just. I she, she wanted. I was a very self-reliant uh, child. Yeah, I had my granddad who was there quite a lot, or my other relatives, or I was just. I mainly just sat on my own, like, you know, reading a book or playing with my figures or, or whatever, it, or watching game shows. That was another big thing that I was into, watching game shows. And she often, when we were a bit older, she often wanted to play and want to do things. I just, I just, I just said no. I don't want this. <laughs> a bit like chalk and cheese. We had very different personalities. Mm. I, I just sort of pushed her away. It wasn't until kind of more recent years that we became closer. Mm. you really didn't like her did you for quite a long time no, i don't think we we didn't like each other like, honestly we didn't like each other. our personalities clashed we were had very different sort of roles um and all of those all of those sort of things but as i say happily well it'll be very interesting maybe she doesn't agree happily i think that's that's changed a lot now did you get on when you were little kids do you remember playing together or anything we did we did play together and um, probably probably once i reached about six or seven Mm. To be fair to him, he'd be very good at making up games, but they, it was always on his terms. I couldn't choose the game. What sort of games would he make up? <laughs> so um, ones that I can remember would be he would pretend to play pubs and he'd get like a pe- massive piece of card and write down all these different names of drinks. And um, <laughs> honestly, it was it was re- so like, you know, this six year old girl was pretending to pour pints and all this. And um, Was he always the punter then or was he the landlord? Do you know what? I can't remember. Okay. I can't remember, um, to be honest. Um, I've got a slight bone to pick with you because this is, I mean, this is how it works. You talk to one, then the other, and you get a slightly different version of events. <laughs> oh, oh, no. What have you said? What have you said? <laughs> so, I said I wasn't going to be a nice. <laughs> uh, what, <laughs> I've been sat here wondering what on earth you've been saying. So it's not mean things. It's just, so your version of your childhood and, you know, as the good old brother and sister is that, you know, basically you would have done anything to avoid spending any time with her or playing with her. But actually yeah. Megan's version of the childhood is that you made her play all sorts of games in which well, she had sort of subordinate or crazy role. <laughs> so let's just let's just see if you can remember <laughs> any of the games that you made her play, because I've got a okay. list. Yeah, there is true that there were some games. I think you would accept, though, Megan, that I did often tell you to go away. That is true, right? Yeah, but then I think when you were just when you was a bit bored, you just used to use well, me maybe. for games. Well, yeah, that's that's possible. I, I, yeah, I remember like maybe running like a pub, and I, I got you <laughs> to do like changing the barrels and stuff like that. Um, uh, what else? What else was there? Probably when we got a little bit older, we would play the Crystal Maze. But he always had to be the guy, like the main guy, <laughs> the bald guy. Yeah, the bald guy. It was always him. I was never allowed to be the presenter. And um, I don't know whether you've seen it, but obviously the challenges, all I remember is me always saying, I don't want to do a mental challenge. And he'd be like, well, tough. That's what you're doing. <laughs> I'd be like, right, OK. But I was so desperate to play. I was like, yeah, OK, I'll just do whatever you say. <laughs> Crystal Maze. Yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Totally you even that. had a jacket. <laughs> you did. Oh, yeah. You had a Do you remember? I, yeah. Like, literally. And I was never allowed to be the host. Uh, and you used to make me do all the mental challenges. And I said, I didn't want to do mental, I want to do physical. And you were like, no. <laughs> yeah, I'd forgot, you know what, I'd forgotten about that. But I did love the Crystal Maze. What was it about it that you loved, Lewis, so much? Was it the sort of camp drama? Yes, yes, which I brought into my journalism, obviously. Yeah, I know I just loved all game shows. But there was something particularly kind of mystical about the Crystal Maze. I just, it was just, it was just wonderful. <laughs> I t- I'll tell you one thing that he used to do as well that I remember is... He would pretend to be um, a Radio 2 DJ and I'd have to be his guest all the time. And he would put a headset on me or have a microphone or something and he would record. He had jingles and everything. No word of a lie, he'd made his own jingles. (laughs) 
Can you remember any of them? Because, oh my goodness, those would be worth some money now. Oh, do you know what? I can't. It's a shame, it's a shame that computer isn't hanging around anymore. <laughs> oh my God, you know, I just forgotten about all this. I mean, I've never actually done Radio 2, so, and it's not too late, Radio 2, if you're listening. I'm still, still up for doing it. When and how did you make the jingles and what would they have sounded like if we had a copy of them here and now? They definitely don't exist. I'm I, sure. I, I know. They're, if they're your mum listens to this, I'm so desperate to get hold of them. My mum could barely use a computer, God love it. She wouldn't be able to unearth that. Oh, yeah, she doesn't um, have a clue. I think they sounded a lot like the normal radio t- jingles, just with my name attached to them. Uh, <laughs> you definitely <laughs> added, like, ding-a-ling-ling-ling, things like that into them. And I was oh, never God. allowed to host, ever. And I was never <laughs> even allowed to choose who I was allowed to be. But has that, did that not prepare you exceptionally well for this interview? Um, not really. But you know, you were you were happy to you were happy to do it. I don't recall you complaining about it. I just wanted someone to play with. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot about the abuse of power, basically. This dynamic yeah. it often yeah. is on this podcast. He's quite um, flamboyant, really, isn't he? Quite quite the performer. He is very much so. Very much so. <laughs> when we were kids, because we were very different personalities, and I was really outgoing and like you know a bit of an attention seeker. Again, people might be amazed to learn. And she was much more reserved and much shyer. And I, I was, you know, at school, you know, I, I used to, you know, quite do quite well at school. And I was a bit of a sort of, you know, one of those kids that kind of everyone knew. And I think that sometimes, I think she sometimes felt that like she was um, in she your was, shadow. Well, no, I didn't want to use that phrase. It sounds so big headed. <laughs> I don't mean it like that. It isn't like that. It's just that's the sort of character I was, right? But I yeah. think that. And I think she sometimes, like when I used to in that kind of like slightly condescending big brother way, would be like, right, Meg, I'm going to help you with your homework because I know I've done this already. Or like, I've, I'm going to help you about, you know, college applications or whatever because I've gone through it. She'd always resist it hugely. She was always like, no, 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 no. I don't want to know, you know, just because you don't know me. <laughs> you know, all this stuff. Yeah, he, but I do remember he used to always come and try and help me with stuff. And I was like, I'm just not interested. Like I was more sociable and I was, I discovered boys and I was more interested in, in kind of the social aspects of, of things. But I do, I do remember it sticking with me that my mum told me once that as we went to the same primary school, so we ended up with a lot of the same primary teachers, as we were going up the year groups, they noticed that actually during that time I was the more intelligent child, which I think I've probably thrown in his face a few times, that I was more naturally intelligent and didn't have to work hard, whereas Lewis had to work a little bit harder to keep his intelligence. Um, so I do. Um, that is also one of my claims to fame, I think. I'm definitely putting that in the description for this podcast episode, just so you know. The more naturally intelligent Megan and her brother Lewis. This season of Relatively is sponsored by Find My Past, the online home of the 1921 census. Almost a century after 38 million people completed the census, Find My Past was chosen by the National Archives to digitise and preserve every one of the 8.5 million household schedules they filled in. And now, after three years of painstaking, diligent work by a huge team, the census is finally available online. Where will your past take you? Find out in the 1921 census, exclusively available online at findmypast.co.uk. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. 
Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. There is a theory I was reading the other day about siblings that... Um, you know, people have their roles in the family. So you've just described yourself as like the outgoing one and the this one and the that yeah. one. There is a theory that um, siblings don't only sort of define themselves in opposition to their brother or sister, but they sort of divide up the characteristics. And once one is gone, it's taken. Mm. And people don't realise they're doing it. It's sort of subconscious. But then if you say lost a sibling, sadly, when you're older, siblings often say, oh, you know, he was my confidence. You know, she mm. was my, she was like the reflective part of me and I think that's quite interesting if you've got a little sister that's coming up behind quite a you know out there big brother maybe that was subconsciously what was going on she was like okay he's taken that role <laughs> I'm gonna have mm-hmm. this one yeah it, that's really really interesting yeah I think that's probably true it's probably true for me as well I mean I remember in that kind of way I would sometimes talk to my mum or dad or my nan and granddad and we might if we might be talking about different members of the family and I think I would often say well Megan's like that but I'm not you know like or whatever I think you think you're right I think um I think we do probably define ourselves against our siblings. And in a way, like it's a relationship I haven't really in the past probably thought that much about because I suppose with siblings, they are just there, aren't they? You know, exactly. you don't really, you don't think about them that much in that kind of, in, in that way. To be honest, I wouldn't say he was that outgoing like through his teenage years. It was more when he um, started university that I'd say his confidence and everything came on, to be honest. I would say I was more the outgoing one in during our teenage years. Um, as a teenager, I was, yeah, I was very studious, interested in lots of sort of things like drama and learning languages and doing these extra classes. I was just sort of like unbearable, probably. I mean, like, uh, like politics, you know, council youth things where I would go along as a sort of like local little like young dignitary. I mean, it was sort of ridiculous, really. Uh, <laughs> you know, and my mum would often be my sort of like, I mean, she'd chauffeur me around, God love her, uh, to do all this stuff. Were you sporty? Was I what? Sporty. No, I was really fat. I was really fat. Until I was about 15, I was very, I was very fat. Much to my mum's chagrin. He said he was quite overweight until he was 15. He was. And I think that was probably what caused it. What caused, you know, why he didn't really go out very much or anything like that. After he'd lost all the weight, he realised he was quite funny and um, started to gain popularity from that, if you know what I mean. And that's where his confidence came from. Mm. What would happen is, is I would always spend our summers at, uh, it's not just summers, but Easter, half term, you know, with my nan and granddad at their shop. They had a couple of shop, little souvenir shops in North Wales. Mm. And I would go work with my granddad, literally from, I mean, I was so keen, I mean, I idolised the man so much that I was, all I wanted to do was go and see them both. And I would literally, on the last day of school, get my mum to take me in the car to North Wales and I would come back the day before school started and I would just stand by him Aww. at his shop, working on his shop every single day. And he was my hero and still is my hero, really. So I, I'm good. I'm good with retail. Uh, if the journalism thing goes wrong, I can open a shop. Yeah, like my nan was the worst for it. She would just constantly cook him sausage and chips and chips in the frying pan. And it, my mum used to go mad. She'd be like, "Stop feeding him!" Every time she kept coming to pick him up, he'd have put like an extra stone on. 
my mum tried her best, but you know, he just liked eating. <laughs> so, and my mum, as I said, she was a fitness fanatic and she would put me on these diets, which would work and like exercise. She was like, we're going to do exercise together, which would work. The problem was I would then go to North Wales for Easter or for the six for the holidays and I would come back two stone heavier. All the good work would have been gone because my nan and granddad would just feed me up. They would just say, come on, come on. Like, you know, like, oh, do you want to do another fish and chips tonight or bad sausage and chips? And, I, you know, uh, and there's so many embarrassing photographs of me, like being in like I don't know, Benidorm or something with her. Like I look like a blancmange. Like honestly, I look. Oh, I look about sixty. I've got like a sun hat on. I'm massive, and I'm sat next to I'm sat next to my mother, who's like thirty at the time, who looks. I mean, it's a bit weird thing to say, but she looks incredible. Yeah, she's got six pack. She's like, you know, I just she looks like, you know, it's just unbelievable. I mean, my mum had this um, again to add that element of a few years before, where she's <laughs> infinitely cooler than me. You know, she had this little Tigra car, and she's just sort of drive around Birmingham with it, playing, you know, very, very fashionable music. And me being a complete bore that I was, just was like, I don't want to, let's come part on Radio 4. No, absolutely <laughs> not. She was just infinitely cooler than me. If I remember, a lot of your friends liked her very much, which you found very embarrassing. Uh, she was a source of some uh, interest by some of the older boys. It's called. Oh, no. They would sing, I know, and they would sing, Lewis's mum has got it going on. And it was just unbearable. Um, I mean, like you used to have, a go, being at a boys' school, you would have these absurd questions, which are unanswerable. So it'd be like, Lewis, do you fancy your mum? Like, well, no. <laughs> and then they'd say, oh, is that because you're gay? Like, that's not, that's not the question here. <laughs> like, you know, uh, it was, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was deeply debilitating. <laughs> I mean, it's all very in between us, isn't it, really? A lot extremely, extremely correct. Yeah. So you've told me that your mum was a young mum. Um, what else was sort of defined your childhood? What kind of household was it? Was it a fun one? Was it a studious one? Was it chaotic, organised? What was the vibe? It was, uh, it, was, it, was, it was a loud household. My dad is a big character. My mum, in her own way, is quite a big character. You know, all had to kind of like have our say about things. And so it could be quite sort of antagonistic. We were quite quite quick to kind of fire up quite quickly about something and it would and then just sort of disappear again quite quickly as well you know it's kind of I mean and the truth is you know in some ways like sometimes we didn't see that much of each other because my dad was like he still is he was a welder at the Rover factory in Birmingham we live not far from there and so he often worked shifts like he would often come in just as we were going to school uh, I was particularly as I got older very involved in lots of different things outside of in school and all that sort of stuff so I was sort of coming and going all the time my mum used to work very odd shifts as an assistant midwife as well so actually sometimes we were a bit like sort of trains in the night I had a really happy childhood I look back on my childhood very very fondly the, the biggest thing I remember about being in our, our household is my mum has really severe OCD and really, really severe. And we weren't allowed to sit on the sofa during the day. <laughs> we were because we'd mess the cushions up. My mum is like unbelievable. She's sort of unbelievably obsessed with uh, keeping things clean and, really? and, and tidy. If we would go, say, away for the weekend, no one had been in the house, no one. And she'd come back and vacuum straight away. She'd have these towels on display and she'd say... Don't use those towels. So what do you mean don't use those towels? They're my best towels. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we had a lot of things. It wasn't just towels. We had mugs for show. I'm pretty sure there was a teapot for show and like sugar canisters for show. Everything was for show. Like I remember my friends coming around and saying, and me going, you can't use that towel, it's for show. And I'd be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we basically weren't allowed to live in the house. It was a show home. Or it kind looked of like, like a show home. Yeah, or a kind of laboratory where germs were not allowed to breed. I think my mum's approach was very much that kind of the house came first and we came second. <laughs> She'll love that. <laughs> it was a bit irritating to have these children who kept 
ruining things you know <laughs> dropping the cushion arrangements oh my word it was the cushions definitely the cushions and yeah. you had to remove the cushions before you sat on the sofa and yeah. you had to remove your top pillow before you could go to bed because <laughs> that because yeah. that pillow's for show yeah yeah yeah. yeah. she still has insane. show pillows now insane show certifiable show pillow. yeah yeah um was your room messy then lewis when you were a kid Did, would that get yes it was it yeah it was quite messy it was quite messy and i also had a lot of things i collected a lot of things like minerals and, ro- and rocks stamps. and uh, stamps and coins. uh coins and <laughs> cigarette cards and you know i mean everything little figurines star trek spaceships star wars but i mean like so i had a lot of stuff this is something else that she loathed and another reason yeah, that, why... Yeah, that was granddad. All that was down to granddad, I, to be fair. I, I would go, again, to go back to the sort of shop thing, I would go with my granddad to go and, like, buy stock for the shop, and he would always buy. I'd be like, I love that orn- I love that ornament, granddad, of a big snowy owl. I love it. And he'd be like, son, I said, we'll get you that. That's fine. You can take that home. That'll look cracking in your room. And my mother would just absolutely despair. She was like, she's like, it's just so tacky. But I don't know, I hope you've mentioned that one of the reasons it was so messy is because I always have to have this tiny room, and you had the big room. Yeah, and what was the reason? Girls well, re- have things like prams. Yeah, but I had the snowy owl and the laboratory <laughs> stuff. I mean, this is honestly, it, I really, it really offended me. As far as oh I was yeah, that was that was a big thing. Yeah, that was a big source of antagonism between us. For a while, I had a sofa bed that was that small. I hope you know that's what. You <laughs> yes, did. I remember. So you, had a sofa so, you bed. so you had a yeah. sofa bed that you had to deploy at night time and then put back again. Yes, yes. And I used to sit there and watch Newsnight of an evening on my <laughs> my little sofa bed. Yeah, absolutely absurd. <laughs> so. I'm really sorry, but the image of sort of teenage Lewis at a certain point, a little bit overweight with collections of Very crystals. Overweight. Yeah, not a little. Yeah. Watching Newsnight. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was rock and roll, I tell you that. It was rock and roll. Um, it was sadder than the in-betweener. And I'll tell sorry, I know I'm going off topic a little bit, no. but I'll tell you another thing he got me doing. So when he... Um, when he was living at home, uh, Lewis's room was full of books. And I mean, there must have been hundreds of them, hundreds. He got me to help him sit and colour code them all. Every single book. I'm talking hundreds. I don't know why I agreed to it, Thinking, looking back. Like, what was I thinking? I think maybe just that younger sibling, eager to please kind of thing. Anything for attention. Anything for a bit of attention, yeah. And thinking maybe at some point he'd play a game that I wanted to play. But no, that never came. That never happened. <laughs> no. <laughs> do you remember i i remember now i don't i don't <laughs> now you mentioned it yeah it's you true. wouldn't well, even like you wouldn't even help me put my videos away or anything but well, i had to do all that well that's because i had to deal with the books you know and i had to i had my radio station to maintain and i had my you know my <laughs> crystal pub. maze production empire to continue with you know I didn't. well have you'd have had none of that without me no that's true i suppose that's true you know what you're right i did I mean, yeah i suppose what i suppose what i what's true to say it was on my terms so when would you say you did become friends then and 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 what what made it happen i think that um a few things probably over the last few years i think changed things and and we are much closer now our mom like over the last sort of 10 years has had a series of sort of uh, mental and physical health problems even though she is very young really she's only 51 so i think that that sort of brought us closer uh, although it also produced probably some kind of extra antagonism i think i must have been about 13 for well about 14 at the time yeah, I kind of took on a little bit of a caring role for my mum. And I would say around that time, me and Lewis probably didn't get on very well. And I think some of that probably came from a little bit of resentment because he, he'd kind of gone and I was left to deal with it. And I was, you know, I was only 
14, 15, I was still, you know, having my best teenage years. So I would say that's probably where our relationship broke down a little bit. While she was ill, I was at university and I think Meg kind of felt that she was like at home having to deal with it and taking the brunt. You know, where was I? Was, was I, was, I should have been there. But of course, it was difficult for me in a different sort of way because I was at university while all this was going on. So mm. it was difficult to kind of know what was what was happening. Because uh, I always remember as well, he'd come home from Oxford and everyone would make this massive fuss. And I'd be like, but I've been here the whole time. Yeah. And, you know, that kind of thing. And obviously that wasn't, now I've grown up a bit, it's not his fault that that happened. It was tough time, mm. but also a, it's kind of made me who I am today. So, yeah, I wouldn't change it. You're a coper then, if you coped with that. I am. <laughs> I don't think Lewis would have coped quite as well. <laughs> you can say that because he's not here. That's the beauty exactly. of this podcast. <laughs> I would tell that to his face. He probably knows. <laughs> I was very, very close to my granddad who died a few years ago. I think I helped her through that, which I think kind of, again, sort of brought us closer. And then a few years ago, I had some, a few sort of difficulties in my personal life. And, um, you know, she was really there for me during that time. I don't think even before that point, I would have even considered talking to her about like anything particularly sort of personal to me. I think that kind of surprised everybody, to be honest, especially my mum and dad. Um, when I kind of rang my mum and said, look, I think I've got through to him. I think, you know, we've, we've had good conversations and all this. And she was like, what, he rang you? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. I remember she just had this conversation with me. She just phoned me up. She knew I was in a bit of a difficult place. And she sort of said, um, Lewis, you know, why don't you tell me about it? I said, well, I still basically said, well, what are you going to say? She said, well, I'm not a kid anymore. Why don't you just talk to me? And actually, and she didn't. And you know what? I talked to her all the time during that period. And then she was really, really helpful. I do think that for, for quite some years, like, Lewis still thought of me as his tiny, his tiny little sister. Whereas, you know, I'm a fully grown woman. I've got children. I, I can... I can deal with issues and I can help. And we did. We became we became good friends. He came to see me in Chester. I mean, I'll tell you, he forgot his wallet when we went to the pub. He didn't tell me that. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. He was like, oh, I forgot my wallet. I was like, oh, of course you have. And yeah, we, we sat and had a couple of drinks. And um, yeah, I think that was probably a good turning point for us in our relationship. I was there for her when she needed me. She was there for me when I needed her. And I think that, you know, there is always this sense that we're not one of those siblings that, you know, speak every day or every week. But if the other needed each other, I think we both know that we're there for each other. And also her having kids as well. I think she kind of felt like, I remember she said to me once, she said, like, I've done something you haven't done. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I had my daughter, I was like, yes, you can't do this. I've done it, but you can't do it. <laughs> it's not something you can top me on. <laughs> Absolutely not. And she's incredibly successful at what she does and she's brilliant. She's clever and all those sort of things. And I'm so proud of her. And I think those combination of things has definitely brought us closer. Thank you to Lewis and to Megan. I remember I used to call him a nerd a lot as we were growing up and a geek. Yeah, that was pretty much all I called him all the time because, like I said, we were so opposite. You can see really sweet pictures of Lewis and Megan and all the guests from season one, two and three at relativelypodcast.com. I'd also like to say a huge thank you to our sponsors for this season of Relatively, Find My Past, for digging into their extraordinary records and uncovering the surprising and often revelatory family stories. Find My Past is the only place online where you can access the 1921 census. So if you want to start your family tree or add colour to what you know already, then findmypast.co.uk is the place to do it. 
Find My Pass are offering listeners to relatively 25% off any subscription. Head to findmypass.co.uk, use the discount code RELATIVELY25, that's the numbers 25, enter the code at checkout and the discount will be applied. It lasts until the 31st of July. Next week, the last episode of the season is with the comedian Tom Ward and his sister Charlie. Tradition of love and heat Stand by the fireside Now the rain may fall Your father's calling you You still feel safe inside Only your ma's too proud Your brother's ignoring you You still feel safe inside oh, Was it solo? Was it yesterday? Was it true for you? Cause while all the rest have taken time Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.